Welcome to the Automation Unplugged podcast, the podcast for technology professionals featuring leading industry personalities. I'm your host, Ron Callis. show features Blake Ermos, founder of Low Voltage Nation. Blake is the founder of Low Voltage Nation, a community that helps its members develop a career path in low voltage and technology. Blake started Low Voltage Nation to connect with technicians and business owners through Instagram and a podcast. Blake specializes in structured cabling, access control, and IT. He also founded Golden Booth, a high growth tech company specializing in digital marketing, photography, and mobile app development. We live streamed this interview on social media on Wednesday, February 9th, 2022 at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. During our time together, we discussed how Low Voltage Nation became the largest online community for the low voltage industry, the role of social media and the importance for business, What is Web3 and where is it headed in the near future? And the importance of video in social media platforms and how it can be used to help leverage your business and growth. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. Let's tune into this interview with Blake Ermos. What's up, Blake? Ron, how are you? Hey, we're here. What's up? We're here. We did it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) How's it? How's it going? I'm good, man. How how long's your battery gonna last? I don't. Well, it's at it's at four bars, whatever that means. So it's anywhere from seventy five to one hundred percent right now. So hopefully it'll to... make it. I have a backup, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll work through it. This you you had mentioned to me. This is like a new setup for you. So what do we got going? Is this new camera, new microphone, new computer? What what's going on? So in, the, the main. The main thing that's new is the new MacBook uh, Pro. Actually, it's the 2020 version. Uh, it's the M1 chip, and I don't like it. It's uh, mm. they came out with the 2021 version that has a, the SD card port, the HDMI port. It has like the mag little power thing. I've never had a Mac before. I've never mm. had a MacBook. This is my first one, and it's not a great experience. Premiere Pro doesn't export quickly. It crashes more than the PC. I'm giving it a terrible review right now. So that's where we're at. It sounds similar, but I, so I'm I'm similar but different. I was a convert to to Mac or Apple probably about I'm gonna age myself now, maybe about four years ago, four or five uh, years ago now. Yeah. And uh when I and I was a lifetime PC person. Mm-hmm. And when I finally switched to Mac and I did it at the behest of my IT guy. He's like, you're gonna have so many fewer issues. I actually went with their product called the iMac Pro, which is the big 27 inch pro version, you know, like a $6,000 workstation. (laughs) And I found that that computer did not play well with a camera that I was plugging into it externally. Mm -hmm. And I swear it crashed two or three times a week. That's unacceptable. It was, it was a hellish experience. I brought it to the Apple store and they said, wow, I've never seen this before. I'm like, great. So I'm the guy that gets the computer that has the issue you've never seen before. 
They replaced the entire machine. And then I said, I check. And then I also ended up getting rid of that camera. And uh, for a while, I just went with the FaceTime camera. Yeah. And all of my issues since then to the present have actually been pretty smooth sailing. I'm a, I'm an Apple fan. I'm a Mac fan. Which, and, which uh, camera was it? Was it being plugged in with like a capture card or like, what was the issue really? I was using, I'm trying to think of the, the brand in front of it, but it was the Brio. The yeah, Brio. the Logitech Brio. Logitech Brio. Yeah, yeah. And I had heard that it's just a USB camera. You're just like, boop, <laughs> and it works. I well, it wasn't. What was it? It was uh, USB C, <clears throat> and it was right when the Logitech Brio was brand new. And I mm-hmm. think it was a firmware issue. Oh. And it it would literally nuke my computer, and it was a nightmare. But all right, let's put all that behind us. No one wants to hear us rattle off about the <laughs> camera and computer woes. You never know. Uh, let's go. So, Blake, tell our audience, who are you? What is Low Voltage Nation? So, uh, yeah, I'm the founder of Low Voltage Nation. And if you can see my Bixie shirt, I don't know if you've ever heard of Bixie, but they're like, they're like the mothership. For structured cabling, if you if you want to be a doctor, this isn't a Bixie commercial, but I'll get to the point here. Uh, okay. If you want to be a doctor in structured cabling, like fiber optic, copper, like you would get like an RCDD. They have credentialing. They're like a governing body for everything structured cabling and low voltage. So what I was doing, kind of back up when I first started it, I was in the field doing structured cabling, access control, surveillance. And I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I, I knew it needed to look good. It needed to work. Obviously, I'm a big uh, label everything, document, do it nice in cable management. Um, but I didn't really know how to do it. So I went on Instagram and started following these hashtags like low voltage, structure cabling, network engineering. And there was like a ton of people already doing some really great work. So I started getting them on the podcast, the Low Voltage Nation podcast. So that's really like the genesis of it was me trying to get better at what I was doing, interviewing people, you know, basically like these are my mentors. So I created my own mentorship program, but then it just turned into this big community. Uh, So we use Slack as kind of like the the central like nervous system of low voltage nation. But we're we're kind of like a digital marketing company in a sense because we produce so much, like you said, so much content. on the internet. So that's how we attract people. We, we highlight other people's work, get them on the podcast. Facebook is a big one. LinkedIn is huge. Instagram is a really big one. Got 35,000 followers on Instagram. So we bring people in and we share their work. We, we provide them with the tools, the knowledge, um, you know, any type of training, mentorship. We connect them with resources. And we're kind of like, back to the whole Bixie thing, we're kind of like a... Um, like a top of funnel, if you will, for, for Bixie. And I was like, hey, get excited about low voltage, fiber optics, copper, doing good work uh, and making the customer happy. And then that's how you would end up becoming like a credential, like a credential holder for Bixie. Or maybe you do like, you know, your, your Cisco um, uh, certification. So we try to help people first and foremost, get excited about it because there's a huge demand for for these technicians, for business owners to install this infrastructure, there's like a stat where it's um, the amount of infrastructure that's built right now. If we need to build all of that again, basically, like that's how much in the next like five or 10 years, like we have to like 
obviously like everything's connected so we need a ton of people to to install this stuff and uh and that's that's kind of my mission is to help people uh carve out a fulfilling career path in low voltage and technology and um yeah so that's that's what that's what we started and that's what we're here for so yeah that's the kind of the brief history for those it. that are listening to the podcast and you heard a uh, blake's voice kind of sound uh, distant there for a moment he was looking behind him he's got a sign behind him with his mission uh we built what does it say we built a community to help you carve out a fulfilling career path in low voltage and technology and man i i have on the screen here again for my listeners uh i have his instagram page mm -hmm. and it says uh you go to instagram.com forward slash low voltage nation and OMG, man, you've got uh, 36,000 people following your page. Yeah. This, this has to be the largest social gathering or following in a low voltage space, you know, it, maybe, maybe on planet Earth. It, it really is. Um, there's other like bigger brands that have been, but these are like tool companies, like maybe like Klein tools, but they're more electrician there's a couple other influencers that have uh pretty close to what we have uh, and then there's like suppliers like cable and connections has forty thousand followers but it's more of like they do a lot more they do a lot of like um like community building stuff but it's mostly promo stuff we're just i do original content on the on the uh the instagram uh page and then we share out like ambassador content or if people want to showcase something if it looks really good we we showcase it for them and uh, we get a lot of engagement we'll get like two hundred and fifty thousand accounts reached on one post you know it's, it's it's becoming quite quite the the central hub for for a lot of low volts and their work yeah well that's that's amazing and 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 we're going to pull threads on all of that, uh, you know, particularly the power and, and importance of social media platforms for business and for community. Yeah. Uh, but before we before we go there, where, where are you coming to us from? Where are you physically located? I am physically located in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City. It's becoming Music one of the uh, one of the tech hubs of, of the uh, of the country. Uh, I think like Miami and nashville are like becoming big players in that space like san francisco is san francisco that'll never change but people are leaving san francisco and they're moving here in miami because we have a we have a cheaper cost of living and, and different kind of ways of doing things which i love where, where are you from i was born so i was born in winnipeg manitoba and i'm still a canadian citizen people give me flack for that i don't know for whatever reason uh canadians just like are the punchline of jokes i don't know why but anyway so i grew up in the states i grew up in in greensboro and in, in high point north carolina uh, then i moved to cleveland akron area lived there for about four years and froze my butt off for a little bit then i got back down south so i've been in nashville for about almost nine years now got it and how did how did you land at live voltage nation what's what's what? Low, what's Blake's, or, what's Blake's origin nation. story? Oh, yeah. sorry. What, what did I say? Live voltage? Well, see, like people make that mistake. People will say, because like live nation. I didn't, I didn't yeah, think of nation. like the confusion. So we say LVN. It's kind of hard to say low voltage nation. I stumble over it sometimes. Yeah. Um, what, was the, what was the question? I said, what, what was the origin story? What, uh, what, what did you kind of, where'd you come from that led to this being where, where you landed today? Yeah, so I went to school um, actually for sound engineering. That's not how I 
know how to plug in these microphones and like, <laughs> do like post-production. So I went to school for sound engineering. I ended up switching my major to network engineering. So that's more in line with like doing structured cabling, low voltage, you know, installing networks. So that's really the start of it. I didn't, I didn't really use that education for like eight years. I got more into um, like software, software um, implementations, not necessarily coding. I do know how to code a little bit like Python and whatnot, and, um, JavaScript, HTML and all that. So I have a little bit of a software background, um, but I really didn't use my low voltage and network engineering education until about maybe eight years into my career in healthcare IT. So uh, I was a director of IT for a behavioral healthcare agency uh, in Akron, Ohio for about five, five years. And then uh, I started doing some structured cabling projects, like building the infrastructure, but managing the teams more so than actually installing stuff. So I didn't have like the construction, like the hands-on stuff that I, that I do more so today. But then I moved from Akron to, to Nashville. I got a job implementing electronic health records uh, across the country at a, quite a few agencies. Right? I did that for about three years. And then I got into actual nurse call systems installation. That's where I really did low. That's where I heard the term low voltage for the first time was installing nurse call systems in hospitals across the country. So did that for a little bit. And then I ended up getting a job here. I wanted to get off the road. So I got a job here in Middle Tennessee installing structured cabling, alarms, security, um, residential, commercial automation stuff, like kind of like your beat. Like the company I used to work for would be probably like a really good fit for one Firefly. So um, getting more into that whole, you know, technology, installation, construction. And that's where I started Low Voltage Nation. I started it at that company as like the digital marketing like arm of that company. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, they wanted me to be in the field because I was like, I was that guy that would get up in like the attic with like rat poop and like run cable. Like some, some of the other guys wouldn't be able to fit up in the attic. And like I was like that kind of skinny little gopher guy that was like willing to do that shit. So, um, oh, excuse me. I didn't mean to curse on your podcast. That's okay. I'm sure everyone listening does it regularly, including including me, the uh, the host. So yeah, no worries. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so yeah, I was uh, I was doing that. I was in the field, but I was also like super passionate about like taking the pictures of the final product and then and then doing the digital marketing side of things. I thought that was exciting. It's a it's a passion of mine, and that's that's where Low Voltage Nation started. That's how I got into like back into network engineering, structured cabling. And uh, yeah, and here we are. Uh, I do it full-time. I'm low-voltage nation full-time now. What? How did that transition to full-time, how did that go down? Is there one day you just said, I'm cutting the cord and I'm, I'm, I'm leaving uh, the day job and I'm going to do this? Or so It was that... like, as with, I don't know if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk, but they, you know, he is always like, just grind you know, from 9 to 5 at your day job and then from 6 to 2 a.m., work on your side hustle. Don't like cut off your, your primary source of revenue. Um, so I built Low Voltage Nation while working... Uh, at that company, then I got another company that was part-time doing like cloud infrastructure, um, consulting. So it was a part-time gig, remote work, didn't have to be on the road five hours a day. So I was able to make that transition from full-time technician on the road, driving around town for five hours and then trying to like squeeze in. I would go at 6 p.m. do a podcast like after work and like then work all that night and build Low Voltage Nation, just the community, not the monetization um, around it. 
But then when I got the part-time gig, I had a lot more time where I was, and this was during the pandemic too. Um, so it worked out great. It was the other company, I think, I don't even think they were doing installs uh, during the pandemic. So I, I was able to make a decent amount of money doing consulting and then monetize low voltage nation um, in the meantime, and then eventually just cut the cord, kind of slowly transition out of it. What what's your vision for Live Voltage Nation? I mean, what what? I, and I see that I know you have the mission behind you, and I, you read it, and I read it. What what do you hope to achieve? Like, what is success? So it's it's really about building the the um, the subscriber base. That's how we do cool stuff. Like, go to Bixie conferences. Like, that's how we pay for stuff. So, building the subscriber base to whatever I don't know how many people are out there. I think. Um, Maybe twenty, thirty thousand people might be a, a reasonable number to have monthly recurring subscriptions. So, build that, and then we're actually working on some training programs, some fiber optic training programs, some really cool stuff around that. So that that's a huge thing. So, build subscribers at the same time, build these other entities that train, uh, and then create these partnerships with, like you know, maybe even one Firefly. Hopefully, that that becomes a good partnership where we can recommend all these different companies to help the subscribers basically that's what we're focusing on the subscribers and the technicians and business owners get everything they need to be successful so that's like the overarching goal is provide like the best the best possible service like have it be 10 times more value than what they pay for and that's it just keep keep growing keep making those deals and those partnerships and uh and create a really cool cool community which we already have but i mean it's we just got started so we're making a lot of mistakes making a lot of good moves uh we're learning along the way and it's, it's been awesome i'm uh i'm gonna share my screen again here are you gonna share that facebook group post i <laughs> am gonna share i'm gonna do that right now because i just thought this was so cool you have a facebook group and i know there are people that are listening that don't even know what a facebook group is so you're going to, are they younger you, or older? <laughs> I, well, I just, I, I think it's possible. I think there's certainly a possibility. So tell us what a Facebook group is and then tell us how in the world you have 17,000 members <laughs> yeah. of the, the, the low voltage nation uh, Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, Facebook groups are actually, uh, they become, they became popular maybe like eight years ago. I have no idea. Uh, but I do know that they are an incredible, uh, mechanism for bringing in people that already have a profile on everybody's on Facebook. At least our demographic is on Facebook, the younger generation. I don't think so. They're on TikTok or whatever the the new thing is. Yeah. So that's a whole nother story. Um, so the Facebook group is basically just a big group where you can post pictures, videos, um, ask questions. Uh, there's different, like, modes where you can have like a marketplace or like a mentorship program they have like these different kind of like you know types of groups uh this is a, a, a general group we actually have two other groups a buy sell group and then uh, a job posting group but this is like the main hub i started this about maybe two years ago um somebody at a networking event was like hey start a facebook group i'm like okay so i started it right then and there and like then the rest is history it just became the uh the largest low voltage group on the internet, um, Facebook group on the internet. Uh, so, uh, we heavily moderate it, uh, with eight, we have eight moderators. So we try to keep the riffraff out, but it's nearly impossible. And the thing is you want to keep a little bit of like riffraff and kind of memes and controversy because that like sparks engagement because Facebook loves 
pissing people off and selling ads to them. That's their business model. Um, but we do che- we do keep it very heavily moderated, and and it's 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 eleven thousand active people. I look at the stats the last twenty eight days, and it's eleven thousand out of seventeen thousand people that are active and they're liking, commenting, and and sharing content. What what I'm uh, uh, there's so many posts on this group that. Uh, well, first of all, it's open, right? So it's you don't have to be credentialed or accepted in order to view the the group. I mean, we approve people, so if they look like complete like spam or just like a, a, like a new profile that it was like created like yesterday, it's just like uh, I don't know about that. So we do we do deny people here and there, and then we boot people out quite a bit. But it is um, you can view it, you can view all the content uh, without having an account. I left it open for various reasons. People want to make it private, but I left it open. Just a executive decision on that. But I think it's really fun. Is there's so much content here that everyone's posting about what they're finding out in the field, all the bad installs, all the bad ideas. Yeah. Yes, there's it's, entire groups dedicated to like terrible installs, like cable fail uh, photos. Where was the safety video? There was a hilarious video. You gotta find that again. Oh, wait a second. Maybe it is here. Replay video. All right, you gotta tell. Remember, we have audio only listeners. So, oh yeah, what yeah, is yeah. the video that that is playing right now? Okay, so I can barely see it, but what my understanding is that it's it's a video that people would show their employees to get them scared, like really scared about safety. <laughs> and what's happening is uh, it's different uh, scenarios where people are losing fingers. They're being impaled by iron poles. This guy just got, he hit a hammer, a nail with a hammer, and it popped up and hit him in the eye. And there's just blood, guts, gore. (laughs) Feet are being severed. Blood squirting everywhere. This one, the manager, the plant manager gets hit by like a, a gas tank and explodes. I mean, it's just over the top, but it scares the crap out of you. And it definitely drives home the message of safety first. It's it's not funny, but it's it's so poorly done. This video is hilarious. It's funny, it's hilarious. I mean, yeah. it's it's really sad. I shouldn't be la- You're literally watching. Yeah, yeah I'm not even going to describe what that. You have to go to this page, folks, if you want to scroll down. And it was a, a post made on February sixth in Low Voltage Nation group, and you'll see the video. And it's 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 pretty self-explanatory. How many how many comments are on that video? On that video, let me go back to it. Uh, you had 26 comments, 46 people shared. 46 shares out of that. That's funny. Or 108 uh, likes Reac- or, or reactions. Laughs. Yeah. Reactions. That That's pretty, I would say that's about average. Sometimes we get like 200 and some comments on a thread. And these people are really helpful. I mean, we have some of the top people like influencers and, and you know, installers they're really helpful. We we encourage that mentorship and foster a healthy environment for everybody. We do it as much as possible. Um, so yeah, it's a it's kind of like that the overarching group where it's become this mo- the biggest asset for low voltage nation. But we have a more closed off like the paid workspace. I'm not here to promote that really, but I mean it's just it's it, it's a really great group. <laughs> I love it. Well, well, it, it go ahead and describe it. I'm, I'm I'm giving you the floor. What is the paid group? What what is it cost? Yeah, so, and what what do people uh, gain out of joining? I didn't, it? I'm not trying to plug. Yeah, we, I guess I can plug it. Why not? Why not? Uh, so, yeah. so that it, it it started as Slack. So it's a Slack workspace, more heavily moderated, more more focused. You know, we don't allow any like memes and like 
any type of like hateful language or anything, try to just keep it clean. Uh, but we also get more focused support. So people will get priority support. We call it gold support. So it's lbngold.com. That's the, uh, that's the landing page for it. So it's LBN gold. So you have like the low voltage nation free, all the, the free content across our social channels. But then if you want to go gold, you can get discounts with suppliers uh, we're partnering up with um, training organizations to so get discounts with them. We do mastermind meetings. We hold events. Um, so there, there's a whole offer stack that we that we um, provide people uh, if they join LBN Gold. And we're actually redoing a lot of the um, the community. We might switch it to Discord. Don't tell anybody. I just did. Uh, yep. <laughs> Discord, you know, it attracts like the the younger generation and. Um, and it's also a free platform, whereas Slack, we have so many messages and all that historical data, we don't have access to it. So it's either pay hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars a month for Slack or move, just move it to Discord. That's, and again, there are going to be listeners don't know what Discord is. What, what is Discord? So Discord is like Slack. If you're familiar with Slack, uh, well, Slack is group chat on steroids with channels. Um, it's a... It's a very effective communication mechanism. Also a time waster, too, if you don't use it correctly. Very effective communication mechanism for, for companies, like internal communication. But you can also build communities, like big, large, you know, external communities where anybody can join. Uh, so Discord is very similar, but it's geared more towards, like, I think it started with, like, the whole Twitch and gamer ecosystem. So it's a way for people to get in and just, like, post and, you know, chat and and just uh it's a it's a community platform basically uh but it's free and it's a lot more robust as far as i can tell so a lot of our audience are uh, they're business owners or operators or they they uh, they play some role within certainly the the low voltage or the custom integration space and you blake clearly have figured out the importance and the role of social media in your business and in your life Right. What's what's your opinion of the role social media should have for the the folks listening? And it, it, give your opinion. I mean, what's your opinion on the role of Facebook, the Instagram, LinkedIn? It, you know, name some of the new ones. Curious oh. to see what. Yeah, you think. I mean, there's like the whole like kind of the conservative movement with like Getter and Gab and like all these ones that are like because all these platforms are heavily censored and they're very you know kind of left to center <laughs> leaning. That's a whole other conversation, but uh, there are a lot more popping up. But the behemoths in the room are, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, and YouTube is is massive. Uh, hit up all the channels if you can. Figure out a strategy to get in front of all those channels. Don't spread yourself thin. If it, you know, like for me, I spread myself thin because it's just me doing a lot of the content. I hire I hire virtual assistants to help post here and there but if you don't have a team then it's going to be hard to target all those channels and then to answer your question uh, i mean you're almost irrelevant if you don't get on social media uh I, I mean and the the pandemic has accelerated that quite a bit where people are just they're constantly on these these phones that's all they do is endlessly scroll and it's it's not great for society so i feel kind of like bad like recommending like distract people even more and try and you know fracture their attention even more but i mean digital marketing the more content you produce the more eyeballs see it and that's your logo that's that's you in their inbox that's you in their notification bar it's just it's marketing 
And the more you can get it in front of people, the more stuff you can sell them and the more engagement you have. So uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's crucial for business. I, I think we could argue as marketers that the consumer or you know the folks out there that are maybe who we're trying to message to are on their phones. So we didn't cause that problem. But now that we know where they're at, it's, it's a good idea to be in front of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, there's this, and I, I'm going to, I'm going to take a path down. I'm going to do it lightly here. I don't want to scare our audience, but we're going to talk about, um, what are your opinions on this thing called web three? So there's this thing called web two, which is the internet as we know it today. And we, the, you know, we, the users on Facebook are monetized and we're monetized by Facebook. What does that mean? That means that if a business wants to market to me and show up in Ron's newsfeed, they're going to pay Facebook money in the form of Facebook advertising. And that's We actually do a lot of Facebook advertising here at One Firefly. Oh, cool. Good. So we, we, we partake in that as a, in terms of a business model and helping yeah. our clients gain exposure. But we are being monetized, right? We're using the platform. I don't. We don't pay anything for Facebook, but we're Facebook makes money by selling access to us. That's Web two. What is Web three? Web Web three is this. I guess the infrastructure is the blockchain, basically. Uh, and if those that don't know what the blockchain is, I'm not going to go into the details. I probably can't even speak intelligently on it and explain it from a technical standpoint. But it's it's a distributed ledger basically where you can store data and it's it's distribution it's kind of like the decentralization of like we're going from like web one like to web two which is like centralized you know people don't want to manage their servers you know so you have aws and azure and and cloud you know google cloud computing and people love it people love doing that now we're going back to web one kind of decentralized infrastructure which is weird but then there's all these different components to it you have you know the cryptocurrency <laughs> and that's a big hot topic you know these kids are making millions of dollars on crypto and then you have the nfts which people might think that they're jpegs you're selling as like artwork or whatever and seems kind of weird and silly but there's more there's the smart contracts underneath the nfts that could be applied to maybe like renting out uh you know an office building i mean who knows like the the options are endless for for this tech technology but there's a lot of flaws with it and it's just like it's so weird right now but it's it's one of the biggest buzzwords and people are making a ton of money and people are trying to shoehorn it into something it wasn't intended for or they're just trying to figure it out and they don't know what they're doing so it's it's a really interesting <laughs> conversation what, what are your thoughts on it what, when did all this stuff show up on your radar big picture like when did you go huh i keep hearing this i'm gonna start looking into it like was it like, i don't know i hear like, was it in recent yeah. years Web three, maybe I heard the term Web three. I don't know, maybe like maybe a year ago when Gary V started talking about it excessively, incessantly, uh, and then Mark Andreessen kind of like kicked Jack Dorsey out of the Web three club by blocking him on Twitter. You know, so just like all this goofy stuff just kind of starts bubbling up on the you know the 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 heavy hitters in the industry, and then they come up with these terms Web three, and then here it is. So maybe like a year ago, it kind of got on my radar. 
I think Web3 is a little less intimidating than to call things cryptocurrencies or crypto cryptography. I mean, right? Cryptography, that's math. That's hard. That's scary computer science stuff. Yeah. But uh, the the advancement of the internet and calling it Web3, the marketer in me says that's really good branding. It is. That's a lot more friendly. That's less intimidating. Yeah. Digestible. Yeah. I mean, my super light for me is. Uh, or, or not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but you know, I, I heard about this going back to 2015, uh, approximately, I think that's when Ethereum came about. And I had a buddy that was right uh, at the inception of Ethereum, and he started to mine Ethereum and he started to invest in Ethereum. And he was, and I remember going to dinner, my wife and, and he and his wife, we went out to dinner and he was, you know, nerding out over this new thing, the smart contract technology, which was an improvement over, in his mind, the Bitcoin technology. Um, and he's like, Ron, you got you to gotta do this thing. And me, I was stubborn and focused. And I was like, no, man, I'm running this business, one firefly. I, that, that's how... That's where I spend all my time and energy. I don't have time for distractions. Well, needless to say, my buddy's made tens of millions of dollars in his. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, getting into Ethereum early, and I didn't, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't really jump back on it until I had another buddy, and this buddy was on uh, a whirlwind global tour to visit every country on planet Earth. And so he's visited 180 countries and he was all over social media. He was blowing up and uh, he was actually in a business group I used to be in. He was a marketing guy. He did marketing for lawn mowing companies. And that was his jam. Brilliant guy. And, uh, but yet he got in early to this crypto stuff and he became made very early uh, because he was an IT guy. His foundation was in IT and cloud computing, and he started doing this marketing stuff, and he just got tapped into the crypto stuff early. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just, it was curious. And it, yet it, it, this thing that wasn't dying, it just keeps coming up and it keeps, it's like a whack-a-mole. Somebody goes away and then three more pop up and then right. you knock those down and then 10 more pop up. And then it was 2017 for me, uh, which is where I, I finally got bit and I started going down the rabbit hole. Yep. And uh, I'm uh, by no means, I, I've invested uh, significant amounts of time in learning. Time. And, yeah. and the more I've spent, the less I know that I know. Exactly. It's, that That's when you know you've reached that kind of that pinnacle moment, you know, or that pivotal moment, really, where you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't like, there's so much I don't, but it, what it does for me is it struck so much curiosity. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, am I yeah. willing to say that things will be different 10 years from now or 30 years from now than they are today and the way information moves around the planet and the way that transactions are completed and the way that banking is done and the way that fiscal and monetary policy is managed on, you know, globally on a macro scale? Yeah, I think things are probably going to be different. I think that's the reason. I watched the Jetsons when I was a kid. I I saw the 60s version of the future, and I'm like, I think some of that's probably going to come true. 
We don't have flying cars, though. I think the Jetsons was like, what, 2020 or 2030 or something like that? They may have missed it by a decade or two. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, but to to back up to like when I first heard about crypto, um, it was when Dogecoin came on. I heard about Bitcoin and I just ignored it. I told my mom because I didn't have any money. I was like, hey, mom, buy a bunch of Bitcoin. And when it was like three bucks, like that's stupid. She regrets that. But I started mining Dogecoin. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, this is cool. This is fun. And then my Doge wallet got hacked. And I was like, this mm. sucks. I'm never doing it again. So eight years <laughs> went, went by. I didn't touch it for eight years because I got burned early on. And I was like, this is silly. But that does go to show that there's going to be a huge, I mean, it's already happening. Crypto.com gets hacked. There was like a wallet that was like, it was like $280 million. It's just like one, you know, every week there's somebody's wallet that's getting hacked and or something's getting hacked. Like one of these big exchanges, it's just one after another. It's just, it's not going to slow down. It's going to get worse. And we got to think about that. There's a, a YouTube video and I'll, I'll grab it. And uh, hey, Sean, thanks for joining. And uh, there's a YouTube video. I forget his name. It's Antonopoulos. Do you remember his first name? He's a big uh, Bitcoin education guy. I don't and think he, so, no. He did a, a video on the cryptography of Bitcoin. And oh, I think we got your camera. Uh, it yeah, is saying, keep, keep, keep rolling. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk while you're, you change your battery out. For those that are, are tuning in or listening, uh, uh, Blake needed to. Uh, oh, that was super quick. I know. Man. I had it. I had it ready. We we're good to go. You were armed and ready to go. Uh, all right. Well, it went black again. We there we go. There we go. So anyway, so the he went over the the cryptography around Bitcoin. So the idea that a Bitcoin cryptographically can be hacked, it can't. Okay. It's 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 uh it's it's fair to say it's impossible, and uh, there's something approximately around uh, every atom in the visible universe represents the number of variations uh, within the the cryptographic um, ledger for Bitcoin. Short version is you can't hack it. Okay. But what can be done is that people can have poor security. And I, I know you mentioned some of your career was in network security. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the world is not yet fully ready at scale for this technology is because it requires a lot of self-discipline and a lot of management of um, these assets mm-hmm. so that your wallets can wallets can be hacked. Or you can have a virus or a malware or a Trojan horse on your computer and they can watch your keystrokes and they can all sorts of weird stuff that can ultimately cause people to lose significant amounts of money. Right. But the cryptography within the, you know, the crypto asset itself often is is pretty well protected. Mm, But that's that's above and beyond most people's willingness. They go, yeah, nope, not ready. Too hard. But that means that all these things are hugely and highly volatile. There's tremendous amounts of speculation. Right. But in volatility, there's no pain, no gain. So that volatility means people are making ridiculous sized returns. 
And that's some of the stories, you know, you've heard of, and I've heard of, of the people that, you know, what is it? They last year, they were a cashier at uh, your local grocery store. And the next year they're driving a Bugatti or something. These kids, I watched them on YouTube and they they went from the e-com space making millions of dollars, you know, just basically getting junk from China and selling it on Amazon or or Shopify or whatever. And now they're taking like a lot of their profit and they're investing in crypto and now they're making even more millions and they're like 22 years old and they're just, yeah. (laughs) What's interesting for me in the space where I operate and I've built my careers in the integration space is that many of my integrators, the technology contracting businesses that design, install, and service these these systems in homes and businesses, they're starting to see these crypto millionaires, this crypto rich, come through the door as customers. Yeah. And I'm hearing more and more and more of that, particularly in the last three or four years. It's this new money that's coming in and and these people are generally very friendly to technology. So they want the latest technology in their homes. Yes, they do. And you mentioned this concept of an NFT. Well, there's an, an NFT stands for non-fungible token, but what is all the rage, at least of the last 12 to 18 months has been the JPEG version of NFTs, the images. Well, if you have purchased a board ape for, $1.2 $1.2 million, people could go, oh my God, you're paying that much for a JPEG? Yes, people are doing that. But now you want to display that in your home, in your art gallery. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole world of digital art. And I, I think that it's complex and it's frothy and it's scary, but uh, it's here. I, I mean, do you think this is going to go away? Do you think this is a fad? I think it's a, it's going to be a bubble. I think most of the NFT projects, like 99% of them, are just trash projects that don't have any utility. It's just like people are combining bored apes with like doodles or whatever. They're just like taking things that have already been successful and just like mashing them together and people are buying them. I think it's people are going to get like, okay, I got an avatar for, for 10 ETH and like now what do I do with it? You know, the flexing can only go so far. I think it's going to evolve into other more utility driven things so i think a lot of the like you said the frothiness will go away and then it'll be a little more or, or it'll be regulated by the government and like <laughs> we won't really get to have all the fun and all the profit anymore but it's it's such an early i mean i can't obviously can't predict it um i don't think anybody can but it's it's going to be interesting over the next 10 years to see like where exactly this technology goes um and if i, I don't know we'll see I just want to, I'm going to be just kind of selfish. I want, I want to make some money off of it so I can take that money and put it towards my business that actually provides a valuable service. <laughs> so it's all about delivering value. A- yeah. Amen. I, I'm curious in your orbit, in your, your networks, in your communities, are you hearing people talk about this or ask yeah. about this? Or is this more, or do you think it still hasn't reached that level of mainstream yet? Well, that's a good question because um, I'm in kind of like different communities. You know, I have a whole like Nashville nightlife community. Then I'm like hanging out on Discord with, you know, a bunch of youngsters. Yeah. And then I have the low voltage nation community and all the and the, the overlap of what you guys do and all these other verticals within like the 
that space. Um, there's a little bit of chatter, but I think it, it might almost just be kind of an echo chamber of like you, me, Leo Des, and a couple other guys. You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm not too sure. I don't hear a ton of chatter. I don't see people changing. Actually, I do see people changing their LinkedIn profile avatars to an NFT. But those are people that have, I trade NFTs, you know, in their their byline. So um, it's it's moving over to the LinkedIn kind of space, kind of our territory. Um, but it's not like super, it's like early adopter right now in that space. I want to jump subjects here and talk about, uh, and, and just in the course of preparing to go live with you, Blake, and, and here I saw you have numerous cameras, you know, this nice hardware, uh, <laughs> that you're, and you swapped your battery super quick here for this, this show. Yeah. 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 What, what role do you think video has in the marketing of the businesses that, that are tuned in? What, how should they be leveraging video and where should they be leveraging video? And what does the video have to be perfect or, or what does imperfect mean? Because you've been going live really as you've been blowing up. And one reason you've been blowing up in my perception is you've been, you've been, you know, you go live out on the walking down the street and you'll <laughs> talk to the camera and have a conversation with your community. So kind of yeah. talk about your vision there. Yeah, uh, I think video is huge. I think it's still going to be a big player in the next, you know, five to ten years. Um, you don't, you don't need to buy. What I'm holding up right now is a five thousand dollar camera, uh, thanks to Shiba Inu token <laughs> that I made profit from. Uh, but you don't need to buy the most expensive gear. Uh, just get an iPhone. The iPhone 13 is an amazing camera where it just the audio sounds good, the video looks amazing. Uh, but yeah getting comfortable in front of video is probably one of the, the one of the biggest most impactful things you could do uh for your marketing um if you can speak to your audience look at the camera and uh and have a conversation with you know just maybe you're showing something that's maybe you're educating them on something or you're you're at a trade show and you're interviewing somebody like people want to see that people like that kind of like more voyeuristic i guess like lower quality like I think the polished stuff, like it has a place, like on the website, maybe you know. But like, I don't want to go on LinkedIn and see like <laughs> this, like this promo package. Like I, I'm sick of seeing it. I and mean, that's just me. Maybe other people like it. I don't know. But I think the the authentic, um, good audio is good. Uh, you need to have good audio. Uh, I think it's that that's a real important piece. So if you can get like a little lav mic or something and kind of reject the background noise, that's important. But I think I think video. I mean, it's why I was successful. I was willing to get <clears throat> onto. It started with Facebook Stories, so I would just be in the field, low voltage nation podcast. You know, coming, you know, just like just yelling like an idiot, uh, and, and people thought it was funny, and people and it was educational because like they would see like what tool I was using in the field, uh, and they would talk to like you know different technicians that have different techniques, and then you would see kind of like the finished product. So just like that authentic building the relationship with the audience, but just, just doing it is like, I, people would make fun of me. I didn't care. I was like, I just kept doing it. I just kept doing it. And then I went to Instagram and I started doing some YouTube stuff. Then I was doing the podcast. So it's just like one thing after another, just getting better and better and better at it. And it just resonates with people. I get messages all the time. It's like, man, you're blowing up. You're awesome. Like, thank you so much. This, that, and the other. And it's all because of video. So like to answer your question, it's very important. What, what's your, to get a little technical on the platforms and I'll, maybe we'll, we'll talk about uh, Instagram, Instagram going live 
versus mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. versus reels. And I don't, is IGTV even still a thing? No, they, they cut it. They, they just made it into like the video. They just folded it into the video, but now you can do like full like size videos or whatever, like vertical. <clears throat> so IGTV has gone. So the, yeah. uh, uh, am I, I accurate? Yeah. Are those the three forms of video that you can do on Instagram? Yeah. Regular video reels, stories, live. Boom. Okay. So four. What what's the yeah. difference? What edu- help help educate me and our listeners? How do you think about those different? I mean, all within one platform. As if people weren't self conscious enough. Hey, I need to be on Instagram. Holy yeah. bananas! I'm I'm now yeah. learning I could be on video in four different ways yeah. on that platform. So live is great. Live is long form content, <clears throat> um, and obviously it's live. Live is very difficult. You need good bandwidth. You need to be engaging uh, and to hold an audience. You got to some planning for it so live is a very very tough um nut to crack so but it does long long form which in turn you can post it as a video so the video component kind of the live and the video component the stored video uh kind of go hand in hand where it's long form Mm -hmm. so uh and those the lives get a lot of great um a lot of great engagement because it pops up at the top you see all the circles you know see and it'll be highlighted be like right there boom where all the stories are, but it'll it'll put the circle and the highlight and say live right at the very top of people's feed. It'll send them a notification too, like, hey, Blake's going live uh, on Low Voltage Nation. So that's like a really good way to you know get get in people's feeds quickly. You get a lot of people engage. If people can engage like live, they can chat with it. You can see it coming in. You can talk to them, ask them, you know, ask questions. People can join your lives. So li- if you can get the live, uh, you know, formula down, I think it's very, very beneficial. Uh, reels are one minute max. You can do 15 second, 30 second, or one minute. And that's kind of the, their answer to TikTok, basically. Um, they didn't, they didn't buy TikTok, so they tried to make TikTok. They didn't buy Snapchat, so they made stories. So that's kind of like their answer to those platforms. And Reels are very successful. They they tend to get more engagement, and they'll surface more in like the Explore page. Uh, but you also have the ability to add uh, copyrighted music if you're just like a creator account or a personal account. But you can if you're a business account. But you can add kind of like you know some like color to it by uh, adding music, and you do voiceovers as well. So it's a really cool way. If you're good at like telling a story with video and different chopping clips to the beat and chopping it to like the punchline of a joke or something, uh, you can really, you can get a lot of views. People start liking it, liking it, liking it. The velocity increases and then like you get on the explore page and then boom, like you got a viral video. So if you want to go viral, you want to like really, you know, drive something home in a creative way, use reels. Reels are awesome. I use them quite a bit. Uh, And then... The last video component are stories. Stories are little 15-second little little nuggets of information that you can put into Instagram, and then it'll notify people. Again, those circles at the top of the home screen, it'll it'll highlight your, your icon will highlight or your avatar will highlight. People click on it. They can see it. They can, con- they can react to it. They can comment on it. So it pulls people into a DM kind of situation. So if you want to you know, slide into the DMs, Stories are a great way to do that. And you can also see who's viewed your stories. So that's like kind of like an ego, kind of like dopamine hit. You're like, oh, he's looking at my stories. Oh, I, like I, I need to make more content based on that person. You know, like kind of like keep their attention, you know, so you kind of know like you know, who to kind of cater to. 
So that's a really cool way to pull people back in. It's also great for community building because you can tag up to 10 people and then they can reshare their story out to you. So for example, I would do like a follow Friday and tag 10 people. And then they can share up at the low voltage nation logo right on there. They can share it onto their story. So they see the logo and like, Oh, follow Friday community building. Yay. So uh, it's videos and pictures on stories, but it's a really great way to like build community and do little, little nuggets of updates for like what you're doing throughout the day. And it lasts for 24 hours. That's kind of the difference. So for the, the listeners that are going, this all sounds really cool. Sounds really hard, but maybe I'll go and figure it out. Why would I do it? To the business owner community, why would they do this? What's your vision of who are they affecting and how is that, how is that ultimately helping them grow or scale their business? It's a great way to give, like, to produce authentic content that your customers want to see. Like, it's how I vet a lot of people. Like, for if I'm going to hire them, if I'm going to bring them into the community, uh, if I want to see their work and like what they actually do throughout the day and how they inter- interact with their community or their customers, then it's a very authentic way to, 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 to see that. If I go on their Instagram, it's just like a bunch of promo stuff. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> these are stock photos or these are just like polished. It's not really like engaging. But if you can capture that audience and they start engaging with your, your pictures, what you can end up doing, it's, it's all tied to Facebook Business Manager. You can take all that data, people that commented or they, they viewed your stuff or liked it, and you can run ads to those people across both those um, both those properties, Facebook and Instagram. So it's, it's almost like a community building slash um, advertising kind of data mining platform. So I, I definitely use all the Instagram data uh, to retarget people onto other pla- on other platforms. So from a business standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Got it. TikTok. Is anyone listening? Should they be trying to figure this out? TikTok is just, they're, they're eating Facebook's lunch right now or Meta's lunch right now. They're just, they had, I think that Zuckerberg had a meeting is like, okay, we, we just dropped 25% in like the stock market, which is the biggest crash ever. Uh, and like, they, and they're like, TikTok's part of that conversation. They're like, holy crap, what do we do about this behemoth? That's a Chinese company. That's probably influencing all of our children on, you know, they're showing you know, the, the people in China, like how to be like a good human being and an engineer. And then like, then they're like showing the people in the U S how to be a moron and like watch like stupid videos of people like falling off the roof. So TikTok, you can't ignore it. I mean, you can, um, I don't think it's a good business decision because of the sheer volume of people that are going to be your customers or are already your customers. I mean, there's already like, for example, Sean rep, he is part of low voltage nation. He's a huge supporter of it, but he's the number one influencer for low voltage. He's he just crested a hundred thousand um, people and he's had people are sending him like sponsorship money and like they want him to be an influencer and he's met a ton of people. It's like, it's been life changing for him as an individual. Um, but he also works for a company. So they're getting a, like kind of the ancillary benefits of, of him like being involved in like showing off like, cause they do amazing work. Um, and then for me, for low voltage nation, I'll, I'll open up conversations with people about, you know, what size patch cable do you use, you know, or like, here's a client tools, whatever, do you like it? And that'll 
drive all this conversation and those people will see the logo the low voltage nation logo we'll get a million views i don't have had a million views but we'll get there eventually but that's a lot of that's a lot of views for the logo <laughs> i mean so from a marketing standpoint it's all it's all about the logo and getting in front of people would you agree i mean that's it, it is it's about those subliminal plants and you know i always uh when anyone anyone that knows me knows i do this often I ask my customers when we talk about marketing concepts, I say, do you think this is good, helpful to your business, or is it hurtful to your business? Right. And um, usually most things, because a lot of times I'll have business owners tell me that I don't do, I've never had to do that to get where I am. And I agree. And I said, so equally, you've never had the benefit of this happening. So you don't know where you would have been if you were actually emailing your customers. (laughs) If you were actually, you had a website that was updated in the last decade. Or if you had, you know, and you could pick on every social platform, every marketing strategy, because it's fair to say that, you know, many business owners just have a lot of demands on their time. And they haven't always had the time to stay the most up to date with, you know, marketing tactics that are likely or strategically could benefit them. Right. And uh, so the idea that your customers or the people in your orbit see your brand regularly or see the projects or the quality of your work regularly is that a good idea or a bad idea? I think most people, if you frame it that way, go, that's probably a good idea. That probably yeah. might be helpful to them thinking of me next time they need some type of solution. And then when we, when I get that sort of breakthrough in thinking with that decision maker, then we can talk about, well, great. Now, how do we do it? Do you do it? Do you hire someone local? Do we do it? Like, who are the people in your orbit that are going to help you accomplish this? Yeah. And then we're having, you know, fun, energized conversations. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I've found uh, <clears throat> is that building an ambassador program, whether it's your employees or people that just like your stuff and you can celebrate them, celebrate their wins, and they can be champions of, of your organization or your brand or whatever. Uh, but the ambas- an ambassador program uh, is a great way to get people that maybe you wouldn't even know that they're like stars on TikTok. Like, you, know, I, you had no idea that Jane, you know, back in accounting is like, you know, she's got a million followers on Instagram. You just don't know. So leveraging people that like actually know um, the platforms better than you do. You don't necessarily have to hire a marketing agency. Maybe, maybe the marketing agency is like the, the foundation, but then once you start getting in the weeds of stuff, you know, and you start looking at people that actually know the, the ecosystem better than most. I, I think, and we'll, 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 uh, we're, we're going to get close here to wrapping up, but okay, um, yeah, we could talk I, for a long time. <laughs> I, I think a lot of the social strategies that you're eliciting and that you practice it's hard for an agency to do that for the business. Right. It because is. a lot yeah, of that in the field, demoing the thing, explaining the thing, showing off the thing, right. producing the quick on the cuff video. <laughs> My team at One Firefly, they're not out there in the field with you. So that's, that's really the rub. It's, well, how do you get the people within your team that are, are acknowledging these are really good ideas and and practicing that content creation. 
Right. And I think that's uh, that's the quandary. I, I don't have the answer to that. And I think you're you certainly are inspiring a lot of people to, to produce that type of content. Right. You and your community. And I, I firmly believe our industry or industries producing that content more regularly combined with more polished and consistent uh, uh, marketing activities leads to business growth. Oh, yeah. You, you need the polish. If you're trying to you know, get a certain type of customer or raise capital or, or just like have that, that look that you got your stuff together, like you need that polish, in my opinion. Yeah. Blake, thank you for joining me on show 203 of Automation Unplugged. For those that are, are want to follow you personally or they want to follow uh, Low Voltage Nation, give us all your handles. Where can people go to learn more? LowVoltageNation.com at the top has all of our social stuff. Um, and if you just look up Low Voltage Nation on pretty much any social platform it's going to pop up but lowvoltagenation.com is is the place to go there's not much going on there except that social uh, icons at the top and some like stuff about us but yeah go there that's the central central hub for everything and uh, i'll give a tease for the audience here you and i are going to are working on some things uh and maybe some ways to collaborate and uh, we'll be talking about that stuff uh in the weeks and and months ahead so I'm everyone should about that I'm really excited everyone should, uh, we'll, we'll leave that. We'll be a pure tease, and that's, we'll leave it at that. But everyone should just stay tuned, follow our social handles, and and we'll we'll make that known. But uh, Blake, it was great having you on the show, man. Sweet. Thanks, Ron. Talk soon, man. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Automation Unplugged. For a full transcript of this show and all previous shows, head over to our website at onefirefly.com forward slash AU. There you'll find links to all transcripts, show notes, Facebook Live recordings, and resources mentioned during the show. If you enjoyed this episode and like to hear more, follow us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please follow us on social media. We are at One Firefly LLC on all platforms. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Automation Unplugged as we dive deeper into technology trends and the fascinating people that make up the custom integration industry. Bye for now.